Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast brought to you, as always, by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor. The easiest way to shop for the best tickets thanks to their revolutionary grading system. Buy and sell tickets in just two taps on your phone, everything guaranteed. New football sale right now. Listen to this. My listeners get $20 off NFL tickets the first time they use SeatGeek. All you have to do is use promo code BSNFL. Oh, yeah. NFL tickets. There's lots of NFL games. Four, four or five months worth coming up. BSNFL. Download the SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. I hope you have checked out the newly relaunched TheRinger.com. We are very excited uh, for all the good stuff we have. Features, columns, podcasts, videos. They're all in one place. Special thanks to Miller Lite who have been with us since the beginning. They've been fantastic partners to us. We are thrilled to have them as our relaunch sponsor for the site. Thank you, Miller Lite, the official beer of The Ringer. Speaking of official, The Ringer Podcast Network, a bunch of new podcasts that we've launched this summer, including The Rewatchables, which I just did another podcast with Chris Ryan. We did The Departed this week. Oh, yeah. You got to hear my Boston accent, my Leo versus Damon thoughts. We decided whether Mark, Mark Wahlberg was the Dion Waiters of action movies in this. Check that out. The Rewatchables. Subscribe now wherever you get your pods. And also, I was on House of Carbs this week because Joe House was here and we recapped our entire LA eating binge, which House called his LA Belly Takeover. Everywhere we went, we talked about it, uh, broke it down, best burger, best Chinese food, you name it. Uh, we did it all. Listen to that. House of Carbs. And finally, I want to mention the Larry Wilmore podcast because he had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar this week, but also talked about the events in Charlottesville and uh, I thought was his best podcast that he's done for us. And if you haven't listened to that, it's really good, really thoughtful. Some of his best work. All right. So we taped this interview with Dave Roberts on Wednesday afternoon in LA and like seven hours later, the Dodgers had yet another come from behind win. It is unbelievable. Now they're 51 games over 500. I think they were only 50 when we tape this, but here it is, Dave Roberts, Mallory Rubin, my two favorite managers in baseball coming up right now. But first, Pearl Jam. Taping this out on Wednesday, Dave Roberts is here. People know him as the manager of one of the hottest baseball teams of all time. I, you're still the guy who changed Red Sox history for me. <laughs> but now you don't get that as much because you you have this juggernaut you're managing. I, I don't get that as much, but it, it certainly happens on a daily occurrence where I get thanked and, and people bring up that uh, stolen base, obviously, and that 4 team. So it, it's something that initially it got a little tiresome hearing it early on. Um but I think that then shortly thereafter, I really embraced it and just yeah. realized how special it was to Red Sox nations and, and all of New England. I think I had you on a pod a few years ago and we talked about it, but we're running it back really quickly because you almost got picked off. Yes, that, was, was, a, that like, was a close one. Because Rivera, who's one of the great athletes in the history of the no pitcher doubt. position, and he had that nasty move and almost gets you. 
but you got back and then you took the exact same lead the next time. You're just waiting and you're watching him. Just Passada waiting. had good throws, a little to the left of the bag, but it was a nice cut, but, and you beat it by a split second and history changes. The Red Sox have three World Series. That was it. That was the moment. It, it was. And I think that as a fan that we both are and many are, and you look for deciding moments and uh, pivotal moments and turning points and things like that. And, and obviously that, that moment right there could have went another way with, with that. Uh, it would have been very uh, anticlimactic to, for me to get picked off right there in that situation. So oh my God. Uh, fortunately I wasn't, but you know, there was like the, the whole Maury Wills uh, who ironically uh, is a great friend of mine. Um, now I'm obviously with the Dodgers. And when I played for the Dodgers kind of really, instilling that confidence in me as a base dealer to get that maximum lead. And as it played out, I needed every bit of that lead. And what's, what's amazing about it is not only is it the most famous steal of all time, I don't even know what number two is. I mean, I, I guess it would be maybe Jackie stealing home in the world series. I think that's probably, you know, people like to debate those two stolen bases. So obviously to be in any company with Jackie is, yeah, oh, yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so. Well, cause that had the famous photo of Barrett just going crazy. Going crazy. Cause he thought right. he got Stealing him. home. Right. Right. I would say, but it is, it's weird. There haven't been more famous steals. Yeah. You, you think you, this you is think, something that happens think all the about time. That, right. And, and I think that, I, and I do say that, um, you know, with, Theo and, and Jed Hoy and the Red Sox kind of um, putting that ball club together and trying to account for everything in the postseason for that 4 team where um, you look at what the Royals did with with Dyson and just having a guy on your roster that potentially could steal a base and you're expecting close ball games. So to steal a base uh, without giving up and out and, and against closers like the Mariano Rivera that you talked about, uh, we have a guy in Kenley Jansen where uh, – you know, to get up, to get multiple hits together, those are hard to come by. So to be able right. to steal a base and to maybe score a run without sacrificing a sacrifice bun or something like that is probably a better chance. And that's what we did. Did you feel like an alien that you peaked during this crazy, now it's called the steroid era kind of derisively, yeah. <laughs> but the, your brand of baseball was not the typical baseball being played from 98 to 04? Uh, sort of, sort of, you know, because of the guys that I was competing with and against, they're just absolute monsters and beasts. And so my little small ball bunning, seeing six pitches in and <laughs> right. a bat, uh, stealing a measly base, you know, um, sometimes when you get guys bashing the baseball out of the ballpark, gets overlooked. But it, it's kind of, you know, there's the home runs are up, but I still believe that stealing a base at an efficient clip still has a lot of value in winning baseball games. There's a nice blend of it now. I it that, I mean, there's that, and a lot of people have written about this. It seems more homer strikeout focused than ever. I, I can't believe how many pitchers can just come in and throw in the mid nineties and just whiff guys. I don't ever remember seeing anything like that. And the stats back that up and the power that guys have like Devers, who's my new favorite person in my life. Devers is like <laughs> 20 years old. He he's, he came in right away. The season's slipping away and he's like a prodigy. Sure. And now he's like, I mean, I have my two kids, obviously. Devers, I feel like, is now my third kid. Like, right. I, I'm just as protective of him. <laughs> right. But he takes Chapman opposite field, 102.8. left on left, Yankee Stadium. Yankee big, Stadium, down a run. left center field, big spot. That's a – like, when, when a young guy does stuff like that, and you're seeing it with Bellinger, same thing. When these young guys in these big spots, and they're coming through, and you start expecting them to come through, 
I, I don't know. You, the stats don't, there's no stat that comes up for that. I'm watching that Yankee game going lefty on lefty. He should get blown away by this guy. I feel like he's going to get a, his bat on something. I thought he was going to get a single, not a homer. I, I, you know, I just, for me, I just saw the highlight and just what he's done, obviously in this short period of time is remarkable. But to your thought earlier, it, it is amazing. The talent, uh, these days, as far as velocity, um, these young players, what they can do with the baseball, where you're seeing Aaron Judge, Stanton, and, and our guy Cody Bellinger at such a young age. And I'm all about the veterans, and I know that there's a place for that. And I was that veteran player in yeah. old school. But this game, where it's at right now, it, it's a young player's game, and it really puts the onus on uh, coaches, managers to teach. And I think that, you know, there was a time where you, you kind of lean towards the veterans to essentially coach their, their, their teammates and, and coach each other where there's that going on too. But this day and age of baseball with the metrics and the shifting it, it and the velocity, it's as tough to play now as it ever has been. Do you wish that we didn't have shifting? Um, no, uh, not necessarily. No, because I, I, I think that, um, well, it's good for you because you're one of the smartest managers. So it, I'm sure it, it's, it's an it's advantage good for us. You know, it, it is. And, and, you know, you look at the Dodgers and what we do, we convert a lot. We're top two in baseball and balls and play converted to outs. Um, I do believe the pendulum is going to, is going to kind of tilt a little bit more towards the bat man, manipulation. Um, and it kind of puts the emphasis on the, on the position players to do that. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think it's, uh, I think it's a part of the game. Um, and it's, it's on the hitters to kind of make that adjustment. You, especially the last few years of your career where you were a platoon guy or a bit like, Oh, four, like you, I don't even think you started 10 times down the stretch. How much does that help as a manager? I would, I would assume in a weird way, that's a huge advantage. It, it, it is. It is. And I think that, you know, as a manager, there's so many different people you have to, be in contact with, have to touch, have to uh, connect with. And so for me, as, as a, as a player who came up as a, as a um, older player, as far as getting an opportunity with the Indians and playing with the great players like Robbie Alomar, Tommy, yeah, you know, Sandy, Kenny, David, Justice, Doc, and all these guys, or Hershiser, And um, then to be a, a starting player in a big market and then to kind of have that decline as a utility platoon guy, bench guy, be injured and all that stuff. And then to do TV front office. So for me, I feel very fortunate that I got to check a lot of boxes so I can sort of relate to everyone outside of the the superstar player, like the Corey Seegers or yeah. the Cody Bellinger, which I never had the uh, opportunity to wear that, that hat. It's easy to get along with those guys. Just be like, hey, man, keep it going. <laughs> yeah. Do Just great. pat them on the butt. Just stay out of the way of those guys. Uh, but it, you've used your whole roster so well this year. What's weird about this Dodgers season, you're like 50 games over 500 now? 50 games over 500. Which is insane. It's insane. But you've actually had a lot of injuries. We have. You've we had have. to use the whole roster and you know the way this new 10-day 10, 10 DL rule. Right. Where you can, you've been able to use the bullpen. You guys were the smartest with that out of anybody. Um, we are. Our, our guys How many are guys have you used? Like 35 guys at Something, this point I think 35. And, and last year it was near or over 50. Yeah. And, and for us to do what we did last year was insane. But this year we're managing. And I think that we have more depth you know, one through 25, one through 40, as far as the 40 man roster and anyone in baseball. And we tap into it. And the other part of, 
part of it is I think the biggest win for me and the coaches and the organization is to get guys to be unselfish. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to earn for their families, for themselves, to get opportunities, to pitch, to get the at bats. But the bigger goal to concede some of that, to win a championship uh, takes a lot of sacrifice. And our guys to a man have done that where you give Austin Barnes, Chris Taylor, um, you know, different pitchers, Kike Hernandez, an opportunity to play. There's got to be some concessions. And and we have that in our clubhouse. It also helps that you have like five outstanding baseball players. You got to have those carriers. You got to have Clayton Kershaw. You got to yeah. have Kenley Jansen, Corey Seager, you know, Cody Bellinger. You have to have those guys. Yeah. Um, we have those guys. Like the 07 Red Sox, which kind of fluked their way into winning. They just caught fire for eight games and all of a sudden they won the World Series. But Ortiz and Manny just sure all of a sudden got super duper hot at the same time. There's, there's, and that always helps. In the it, it always helps. And to this day, uh, David, the biggest clutch performer I've ever seen, and I lived it. Yeah. And those at bats that he took in th- 2004 and throughout his postseason career, what he did um, consistently over a big sample. I've never seen any, anything like it. And Manny, you're talking about when a guy's in scoring position, he's going to drive that run in. And Manny being Manny is all fun. And we all love Manny and doing his deal. But when guys are on base, there's a different focus. And, you know, that those are special players. You love Manny, but you're glad you never managed him. Boy, you know, <laughs> hey, if he's driving in 150, I got no problem. Yeah, I'll keep coming you. in. Keep being weird, Manny. I, I hear you. And But he was such, but you know, in the clubhouse, we loved him. We loved yeah. him and we kind of took him for what he was. But the base running, the defense, a lot of times was compromised. But in the batter's box. I like him in the batter's box. He's still, my my Twitter picture has never changed. The picture you get on Twitter, it's still Manny with his arms up after, after a home the run. Homer, the I just love that guy. I just, I, right? You know, the, he became pretty polarizing near the end. Sure. And especially the media really turned on him. And yeah. in, as you know, in Boston, um, people love to get heated one way or the other. I just, I love the guy. I've never seen anybody like him. You know, and I just don't think we'll see a lot of different types of players over the years, but I, I just think Manny's a one of a kind. We'll never see anybody that strange. We Remember won't. when he cut off, you probably, you weren't on the team at this point, but he cut off the the throw from the left oh, field that's wall. that's one of the, my highlights. Uh, <laughs> I, I diving in front of team. it. <laughs> I was just, I, I I was there a little bit, a couple months later, but it's a lunatic. Dave Newhan, one of my good buddies, hit that ball in yeah. the left center field and and anyone who knows Fenway Park, how short that porch is. And yeah. for Manny to think that he's going to be the cutoff man for Johnny Damon is who didn't throw well. Obviously, we all know that. But right. and you see the footage and it is hilarious. And he's really makes a great effort. I mean, I don't see if I don't think I've ever seen him make an effort on a ball. Yeah, that was the hardest he'd ever tried. Hard, to ever cut tried. Off, I mean, he sold out, throw. try to dive and <laughs> cut it off and get to- inside the park home run. I mean, it's just comical. There was one time when they were trying to trade him and it was the trade deadline. It was on a Sunday and they ended up, they held him out of the lineup, but then they didn't trade him. And then he came into the ninth inning in a pinch hit spot and the crowd's going crazy. And it, and it was like, I bet my life, man, he's getting a hit on this. And sure he enough. Did. But he was one of those guys where you have these, these rare guys where like, 
No, I bet my life. I bet him. my life is coming through here. Right. And, and I think that there was a there was an incident in, in LA when he came and I heard about this. Said he didn't take BP. It was his bobblehead night, didn't play, uh, wasn't on the field at I all. In the this. clubhouse, yeah. comes and hits a pinch hit grand slam or a big homer to win the game and gives everyone a high five, goes right back into the clubhouse. And that's Manny being Manny. And and also, shoot. The play at Camden Yards robs a robs a play, makes a great play going over his head, gets up on the wall, high fives a fan, throws it back in and doubles a guy off at first base. And it's like, who does that? Who is the biggest character on this Dodgers team, not counting Puig? Uh, not counting Puig, I would say the biggest character is Kike Hernandez. Um, you know, we have a lot of Chase Utley type blue collar guys yeah. and Clayton Kershaw, uh, Corey Seager, Justin Turner. But I think that as as far as one person with the personality that I guess balances out everyone in the clubhouse, it, it's probably Kike. And he he's he's a heck of a baseball player. He he can be a clown, um, but we don't get it twisted. He he can play the game. But the practical jokes on social media, um, guys love him. You need a couple guys like that and a on a good baseball team to thrive, correct? You do, you do, because there's gotta be that comic relief. It's a lot. It's six months of game after game it after is. game. And not counting a month and a half of spring training. And, yeah. and when you're the Dodgers, you're looking to play through October. So there's a lot of baseball in the calendar year. Um so you when you have a guy like him that can kind of guys gravitate towards, has fun with things, can be the butt of a joke and feel good about it, but also poke fun at guys like uh, Yasiel or Kenley and things like that. And guys receive it well. It is good for me. It's good for the coaches and the players, obviously. So this is a two-part question. Oh, four, you get to Boston and the fan base is just, you know, oh. all-time tortured and skies falling and, and live right. or die, all that stuff. And then you watch that flip as you're there. This Dodgers team, they they won in '88, which in my I've argued with my Dodger fans about this. Like one of the craziest World Series wins when you look at like the talent they had. Hershiser's out of his mind. They pull it off. I think they've been in the playoffs 13 times since. Okay, they have had all these different moments that the Dodger fan like, this happened, that happened. Do you do you feel like a sense of urgency slash torture slash some sort of level of emotion that's a little atypical because this has now been 30 years of stuff. Can you feel it? Okay. So first, uh, one of the first weeks I got to Boston, I was having dinner, um, with my wife and one of the, one of the fans, one, a, a Red Sox fan came to me and says, the Red Sox took my grandfather, took my father and you guys are coming after me. So that was pressure. Yeah. There you go. Enjoy your meal. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy your, enjoy your sushi. Um, but here it, it's more of, you might've taken my father's life and you're kind of, the Dodgers are coming after my life. Right. So uh, the generational, it, it's been 28 years. So um, not to the degree of where we were at with 86 years in Boston, but you know, Los Angeles is such a great city, you know, one of the great cities in our country. And it's such a storied franchise, the Dodgers organization and uh, Mark Walter, uh, our owner, um, good friend of mine and he's ultra ultra competitive and you look at stan cast and then the front office and you know the players and the coaches so there's a lot of everywhere i go you know it's winner bus world series or bus is what we hear and i get it we get it but i think that for us in the clubhouse it's that understanding of what everyone's goal is but still 
how do we focus on winning each day? And I think that it just kind of allows for us to get over some of the expectations, the pressure, I guess, if people call it. Um, because right now we can't control October. I mean, we really can't. We know our goal is to win 11 games in October, but right now in August, there's nothing we can do about it. So our guys are doing a great job of keeping that focus. When did you realize this team had a chance to be great? Um, I would say 50 games over 500. I, I think the I greatest think a little bit word before that you might 50 use. games over 500, yeah. I was kind of in tune with our club. Um, <laughs> I, I think even in spring training, because after, after last year losing game six in Chicago, it was tough. And the tone of the clubhouse where um, there wasn't a pity party, there was frustration, disappointment, but we knew the core guys were going to come back. And once... Uh, once we signed Kenley again, we resigned Justin Turner, Rich Hill, and that group was going to come back. I knew that, you know, we were going to be a, a major player again this year in 17. So as we've kind of gone through the season, that's the way it's played out. And you knew Bellinger was going to be a phenomenon. And, and knew I knew Bellinger was going to have 34 homers in the log. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. Chris Taylor was going to hit lead off for us every right. day. And, uh, you know, JT was going to lead the league in hitting. So yeah, of course I knew that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gonzalez, I went to a game. I took my son, I'm going to say May, but he he was obviously hurting. I remember watching him in the Red Sox and it was one of these things where you're like, oh man, like, are they going to have to push him aside? What's he going to do? And now, now he's been out for a while and, you know, you've been in that situation too, where you're the veteran. He's, you know, this guy who was this big part of the team. And now obviously he's going to be a bench guy the rest of the way. How do you deal with somebody like that? Yeah. Rajai Davis, Rajai Davis was the guy for me, you know, where it's like, he's the new player coming in the young guy. Um, and you got to kind of step aside when I was in San Francisco and, and Adrian had, was that guy, um, when Ryan Klesko in San Diego. Mm Mm-hmm. So it happens to everyone. And, uh, and I think to Adrian's credit is there was a point where we were going to send Cody out because he had options and Adrian was, was playing, but realized at that point he wasn't healthy. And so he came to us and said, Hey, I get what's going on. I see what's going to happen. But for me, I think it's best for the, for the organization, for us, for me to go on the disabled list for the first time in my career to give Cody a runway. Nice. And he did that. And all year he's been trying to kind of get through his injuries and obviously Cody's flourished and had the year. So Adrian's coming back here when we go to Detroit, um, this weekend and we'll see how that plays out. But understanding that, you know, Cody is going to get the lion's share of playing time because right now, um, the player that he is, he deserves that opportunity. How much advanced metrics slash, um, I mean, the information's incredible and has been for the good teams had it last decade. Now everybody has it. We, the thing that changed this year has been this mile per hour off the bat and all of these yeah. stats that happen. But how much do you look at that? How prepared are you? What do they give you a report? That's like a three page report. Like what's your process? It, it's much deeper than a three page report. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's endless. And I think that in a, in a, in a, in a good way, as far as each series, each game on every player, pitcher, hitter, you know, a, a opposition, uh, and, and you mentioned exit velocity. And I think that the one thing for us as coaches is the information is amazing. But when you get the players more concerned about exit velocity um, versus a situation of getting a guy over, getting a guy right. in uh, when the infield's the back, getting your bat on the ball and to help you win a baseball game, which supersedes everything. And so that's the challenge for us where there's so much, you know, the the readings of 
the velocity, which we've always had, you know, for a long time, velocity readings, but still executing the pitch and not just how hard you throw and not being a showcase player, but being a winning major league championship player. So that's where my initial point earlier, where the coaches really become a big player in the sense of teaching these guys how to win baseball games. But the metrics, the information we get, the data is all good. And it is fascinating when you see how you can sort of quantify a lot of things that we had questions of, you know, why can a guy with those 90 miles an hour isn't getting squared up by hitters when you see the radar gun, it says 90 because his spin rate, and it holds the the plane and the perception of a hitter when he sees the ball coming from the mound to the to the home plate where there's a certain angle that a hitter is used to call it 16 degrees and this particular pitcher might hold that line at 17 degrees and so that perception and the perceived velocity is different so um, that's why you get the swing and miss or the pop-up so there's a lot of things that you go oh he's not just sneaky is what yeah. i used to say his fastball sneaky so now we can quantify a lot of different things so it, it's a lot of fun and for me the the mind growth thinking and and talking to our front office all the time and our coaches are open to it so it's been really good it's been even fun having a fantasy baseball team you know, like go and look and be like, ah, I'm thinking of trading this pitcher. I'm going to go on Brooks baseball and see how his sure. velocity is by the month. Oh, that's I, that, that stuff is insane. We never had that stuff 10 years ago. Never had that stuff. And that's why I think that this game is as tough to play as it's ever been. Yeah. And you're not talking about is can Ted Williams play in this era? How would Barry Bonds do? How would Willie Mays? That's not the point. The point being is where you have all the shifts for all for one through eight, where you can really attack a hitter's weakness. And now you've get guys throwing 95 plus more than anyone. And I think last year, I want to say I heard, you know, close to close to 30 guys hit a hundred miles an hour last year. So wow, this is stuff that hasn't happened in, in ever in baseball. So not talking about the talent level, but as far as, but in some ways I am because guys are bigger and stronger. And now the, uh, you know, how you oppose guys and, and scout against guys is, is really at a premium. And if you have a weakness, it's going to be they're, exploited. They're going to find it. I have a crazy Dodgers friend who I won't name. Who's like, ask Roberts about, we have Puig in the eighth, eight hole and they've been just throwing, they, they don't care if they walk them as much there. And they've just been throwing him the slatter low and away, which was his weakness. But now he's learning how to hit it because he's seen it so much. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, but, but it is funny. Like if you have that little one thing and I'm waiting for them to find it with Devers. Yeah. And they have not found it yet, they but they will. Yet, but They'll they find will. it. They will. And then it's that cat and mouse where he's going to have to make that adjustment. Because judge, they, judge, they found out a couple things and they flipped it on him and then he had to. They're throwing a lot of stuff, yeah, and, crap and in the dirt. That's and, right. And even our guy, Cody Bellinger, when he first came up, um, they were throwing him up and in. They were pounding him in with the fastball, and he was having trouble getting to that velocity. And then in San Diego, he took a ball at his neck and hit a grand slam <laughs> right. and made that adjustment. And from that point on, now the league's got to readjust. And yeah. so it's the down and away. And now this young player is taking walks, keeping the line moving. And that's, for me, the growth and the maturation process of a young player that when they do try to pitch around you. And Yasiel Puig, to his credit, is on that same kind of line where where he was out of the zone a lot and hitting in the eight where you have the pitcher behind you, it can be tough. Yeah. Um, but he was ultimately taking balls and swinging at strikes. And now he's got more homers than he's ever hit and arguably more good. productive than he's ever been. Yeah. Um, 
I've noticed a difference with the Dodgers crowd, not just this year, but I think it's been the last two. And I, and I think there's two reasons because I've been here since 2002, hard to get tickets, um, hard to get tickets last minute, hard to get to the game, hard to get out. Now you have the secondary market where you can, you can look three hours before and be like, oh, I want to sit there. I'll go. And then you can take Uber. Sure. And it seems like not only is it's obviously you guys are good. That's a huge part of this, but it does seem like the ballpark is a little more full in the last couple innings for some of these comebacks. And I think it was 10 years ago. Do you notice that or am I crazy? I, I do. I do. There was a, there was a, there was a point where I, I know when I played with Eric Gagne, when he was the premier closer in baseball, there was a lot of fans sticking around to, to, to uh, see the welcome to the jungle. Yeah. Um, which and then was, leave it. And, and then, yeah, right. <laughs> Um, but I will say that we lead all of baseball, all of sports, Dodger Stadium uh, in, in attendance. And it, it's a tough ticket to get. And you do see the the uh, anticipation, the energy, the excitement every single time at the ballpark. And, and obviously, yeah, winning helps. But there is something to the fact that I hear from fans, I hear from ownership, that we have this kind of workmanlike attitude that I think that, yeah, we're in Hollywood, we're in Los Angeles with a lot of stars. But I still think that as a whole appreciate that blue collar mentality that um chase utley you know clayton kershaw Corey seager justin turner those guys have yeah i mean they have a couple advantages this decade one is giant wallet i think that helps to be able to go get expensive players yeah um i think magic really helped no doubt he was definitely a transformative guy for that franchise gave them a little bit of an identity the stadium's just a gem it's a gem. It's I'm a always going to be loyal stadium. to Fenway to my, for the rest of my no life. Doubt. But Dodger Stadium is like, it's like 1A, 1B for me. It is. Sorry, Tommy. Wrigley's like one, one <laughs> distant 1C. But uh, but if you go to Dodger Stadium and you drive up that hill. You know, and, you know, Vince Scully, Vince Scully way and you get in there and it's beautiful. It's a ballpark. It feels like a sports movie. It does. It does. Especially and like you go, you're there like July when the sun starts coming down about 745, but they're already playing. And it's just like, you're like, wow, is this, how is this a baseball stadium? It it's is. It's really nice. It is. It, it's, and it's all about the baseball and the field is perfectly manicured. You know, those Dodger white uniforms are as white as any uniforms in all of baseball. And, you know, with the history, I mean, you're talking Yankees, Cubs, Red Sox, Dodgers. Yeah. Um, and well, so, yeah, yeah, you're going back, you know, to Brooklyn. You're going right. back. My great grandfather was a Dodgers right. fan. When you start getting multi generations, yeah, and, that's and, when it and changes. Every day, you know, at home, we see Don Newcomb there. Yep. And so, and and that's got to be amazing. It's amazing, and to hear and to see, and Sandy's been out. Sandy Koufax has been out a few times this year, and really speaks well about our ball club. And you know, when you hear stories like that from those men, and appreciate what we're doing, and. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. And talk to Maury Wills. And, and so I, I just think that with the Dodgers, there's a responsibility for us currently to do right by this city, this organization. Um, and I think we're doing a good, good job so far. Did you feel at some point during this streak... Hey, it's not even a, I don't even know what you'd call it at this point. What do you call when you've been hot for That's four, the thing five is, months? I don't, I know don't what the even word see is. it as a streak. That's the thing is that people want to call it a streak. And you, you point to when... Cody Bellinger got here when Chris Taylor got called up. But I think that, and I've said it before, is this is who we are. So, um, yeah. But we, do you start thinking about, does it even matter? What if you have the most matter. wins in a season? That, I don't that, think it really matters. I think that for us, 
how does it we matter go about a tiny each bit? day. One percent. I, I don't think it does. I mean, I think it's something great to talk about, great yeah. to write about, and I think that when you look back. Um, it, it's certainly an accomplishment because it shows consistency, consistency throughout a season. Yeah. But I think for us to not chase the win, uh, not chase the hit, you know, just how we go about doing things and our guys have bought in. And Can I give so, you some advice as a Patriots I, fan? You, I want the advice. Bring it. Uh, I, I definitely wish we hadn't gone for 19 or now at this point, <laughs> all these years later, <laughs> would have rather had the Super Bowl. I did think it wore them down. I don't think people... I, most people probably don't even know what the record is in baseball. I think the 19-0 in the NFL probably had a little bit more oomph. Right. I th- some team went, what, like 116 and 36 or in the 1900s. I can't even remember what the record is. And but yeah, if it, you got if you were like 60 games over 500, I would think that's incredible. I don't know how many teams have done that. 70? Whatever, whatever, I, wherever I, it I, ends. I don't I, know. I don't even know where. And I think that that's the argument where you can debate what's more important and uh, the rest or keeping your sharpness. And so I think that every player is different yeah. and you talk about the Pats and that team, I really enjoyed watching that team play, you know, but if, uh, you know, I think was that the David Tyree, uh, was that, that, that's so yeah, you're right. Staggered but, if, but, if, but the thing is though, is that if, if he doesn't make that play and they go 19 and no, then, now then I would have said great idea. Is it okay. It's a great yeah. idea. So it's kind of, if something that you talk about and you believe in and the process and the thought going through it, then it's like, you kind of have to live with the results. So to look back, I just kind of don't really take that view, but I enjoyed watching that Patriots. Team. I think the Warriors, I forgot. They're another great example, right? The guys had a team meeting. Do we want to go for this? 73 right. wins. Yeah. They all said, let's go for it. Right. And it worked um, out. It worked out, but they lost in the, oh, they, they, they the, lost the, the three, one lead. Years ago, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah right. They yeah. got the record. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they would do that again, but yeah, maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. I think with baseball though, the concerns that you have about, you know, this, this, this stretch of, what is it? Four and a half weeks in October. Sure. You're putting this incredible burden on your pitching staff and you got to get the starters ready. Like you almost... You have to manage for October once it gets to September, That's especially right. you'll be a hundred games yeah. ahead of the second place. No, you're right. And you also it does help when you have a lot of good players that you can plug in. And for us, just trying to keep all the players current, relevant, and making them feel a part of this. And I think up to this point, we've done that. And that's something that it makes it easier when philosophically, that's what you believe in. So to your point, giving guys rest, you know, with whatever margin you have as far as a lead. I think for us as the Dodgers, it's pretty easy to do. And it's something that we've kind of done a lot anyway. Um, you know, tonight, Cody Bellinger is going to get a day off and we're off tomorrow. We were off Monday, but I think for me, just the value of him sitting there and watching a baseball game has value. And also to get somebody else in there. Do and, you do the come over, sit next to me? Uh, you know come what? Come here, uh, son. I might, I might have, he, he, yeah, he could be my son. And, um, but yeah, we'll spend some time together. And I just like that there is something to not having to prepare for that night and just kind of checking out for a little bit. Can we talk about when you almost got in a fight? Sure. That was everything's, fun. Everything's uh, that was open. A, that was your little sports center moment. Oh, little, it became a vine. It became a, or they don't have vines anymore. A gif. The, the gif is a thing, yeah, the right? Gif. So my kids are showing me you the You're ready gifs to roll. You're ready to throw down. I, you know what? It, it's. Uh, I loved it. I, I guess that that fire is certainly in there. I, I try to stay more even keeled, but uh, he got me going right there. So we, we kind of got past it. 
and I respect what Andy Green and the Padres, what they're doing. Was there a text afterwards? Um, there was not a text afterwards. Oh, so there's still some bad blood. No, all right. Yeah. All. We exchanged lineup cards last week, so we're okay. good. We're good. You stink eye him a little bit? No. Not at all? Were no. you ever in a fight as a player? Uh, as a player, you know, just the kind of bench clearing, and I was more the peacemaker getting in there and trying to break things up. So You never took out a shortstop who... No, I did that. I, I did that, but never, but not in a dirty way. So it never really came to anything. Okay. I was because I was going to say, maybe there's something on YouTube, but I, apparently not. No, no. You, you, I, don't, I don't want you to waste your time. One thing about October that I think is, that I think they should change this rule. I think if you get the one seed, you know, basically it's a, still a five game series. Yes. And all the, something bad happens again. All of a sudden you're down two, one on the other team's whatever turf you in this must win game, you just played for six months to have home field advantage. And in one game, it could go away. I wish they had the one seed in each league had four of the five games at home. Mm. They would never do this, but I do feel like you should earn something for that. Now people would say, well, you earn the fact that you're playing the wildcard team that won. They probably yeah. spent, they used their best pitcher in the right, wildcard right, game. Right. But I still wish there was a little more. It, it is, Crazy to think that you guys can go in October having gone 115 and 47 or whatever right. the record is. Right. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, one misstep and you're behind and that, you know, it's just nuts. That is I don't know thing. if it's a good way to do it. I know, no, I know. And I and I know that baseball is obviously open to anything and and whatever, you know, is is best for the fans. But it is a big advantage though to have that one seed in the sense of having that wild card team play that play in game yeah. and exhaust their best pitcher and whatever bullpen they have. Maybe a closer for two innings. Sure, sure. Because it's it's winner go home. And so to then have one day off to then start a new series um, where you got the team rested and the pitching lined up. But where we're at right now, I don't mind. I wouldn't be against the four games at home. Let's take a quick break to talk about our friends at Simply Safe. Summer winding down, life's going back to normal. Maybe you're coming back from vacation. Kids are going back to school. Now, the perfect time to protect your home with Simply Safe Home Security, or you can rest easy knowing that your home and family are protected already with Simply Safe, a fully equipped home security system. We're in the final days of Simply Safe. Home Security's huge summer sale, their biggest ever, $100 off the special summer package, which offers award-winning full home protection with 24-7 alarm monitoring and police dispatch. No wires, no landline, no burglar can disarm it by snipping a wire. Best of all, you get all this protection without having to sign a long-term contract. No lock-ins, no hidden fees, nothing to hold you back. This sale ends on September 3rd, right before football season. Go now and get $100 off the special summer package. Visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Simply Safe with two eyes. That's $100 off at simplysafe.com slash BS. Back with Dave Roberts. I'm always fascinated when managers get experimental with their closer. You got super experimental game five of the Cubs series last year. Walk me through that. So we were up and it was game five. And it was win or go home to potentially go to the NLCS. And so I brought Kenley in. He ended up throwing over 50 pitches. And then yeah. I brought in Clayton Kershaw on two days rest um, to come and, in and finish that game. So, and it worked. And it worked. 
There and, was like a 10 minute stretch on Twitter when you were getting killed. Oh, of course there was. I mean, <laughs> what's yeah. he doing? Oh yeah. I mean, believe me, my son lets me know all the stuff that, uh, <laughs> all the different sites and all the different Instagram Twitters of how bad I am. And yeah. it, it's, it's comical, but, uh, I try to encourage him to stay away from that stuff. But that that's the funny thing though, is that there's that moment. And then when it works out, then it goes dead until they find something else. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's what I signed up for. It's part of it. So a do or die game, you would get super crazy, but otherwise yeah. do you try to keep to a certain otherwise, structure? Otherwise you keep to a certain structure. But I think that when you're talking about the postseason, and like what you said is you're one, you're one, one. And then potentially that third game, that rubber game is in the balance do you exhaust everything to win that game to take the advantage in a short series? So That's what do you say question. to your, what do you say to your closer? Do you tell him before the game, like be ready for yeah. the fifth on? Yeah, I, I, I we were in the lunchroom at, at uh, Nationals Park, and before that game, and I said it could be the fifth inning. And and when you're looking at the postseason, you're looking at 27 outs, and you're really trying to line up your pen to the to their to their roster and to their lineup, and so when the certain spot came up and I felt that he was the best match from that point for the next nine hitters, um, I wanted to kind of deploy him then. And then once he was exhausted and gassed and he walked um, Jason Worth, then it was like, now what do we do? And so at that point in time, come the sixth inning, Clayton was looking at the uh, innings and watching uh, the sixth or seventh and saying, who's going to pitch after Kenley if he, can't go and he said he wants to do it yeah and so for him to kind of look me in the eye and say he can do it that's all i needed to hear the only time i ever remember counting outs in my life which is now 42 years as i've been since the 75 season the only time i remember counting outs literally counting them was game seven oh four in yankee stadium oh man that was fun and it was we had this huge lead but it just seemed like there was so much time left i was like oh 11 outs to go right 10 outs to go. And it just, it, it felt like they had 40 outs. You know what? And there was just so many things in that series that went our way. As yeah. Far as oh the yeah. Sox. That Tony Clark's ground rule double. Oh my that God. Went the other way. Yeah. You know, home runs that weren't, that were, that weren't, that were reversed. And you know, the A-Rod play with the Royo and the Tony Clark, if that ball hits the wall and caroms and doesn't, isn't a ground rule double, Derek scores. So, um, I still can't believe Wakefield, came in in one of those games in like the 14th inning. Yeah. He's throwing knuckleballs to uh, to Veritek, who I don't think had caught, had really- No, because it was Mirabelli. Had caught him. Yeah. And just watched that going, this is, this hour season's going to end. Right. Some knuckleball in the dirt. Of course, dirt. It of course is, But it was, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with, uh, with this Dodger season. You're having this now where all these things are going right, but it's like, how do you stretch this? To, yeah. Now it's got to also happen October. Tell me about uh, you, Darvish. So you is uh, he's pitching tonight. Turns out he's pretty good. He, he he's pretty good. Yeah, you know? yeah. So he's confident. He, yeah, he's confident. He's confident. That's right. Um, but no, he he's couldn't be happier to be a Dodger. It was a dream of his to pitch for the Dodgers, and obviously, you know, when you've got Hideo Nomo and um, you know the other Japanese. Uh, players that played for the Dodgers, Ishii and Kuroda. And so to have him here, he, he's, very, he's very intelligent, very well-spoken, very curious to information and learning his teammates. He's very physical. Uh, and I didn't realize, I didn't realize six, how- Six five, right? He, I mean, he's kind of six four, six five, yeah. and, and put together. He's ambidextrous, throws with those lefty and righty. 
which I didn't realize either. So it was game four? Game four, Bring him yeah. In as a he's going to go game two, and then he's going to go <laughs> game four. You're lefty reliever. Yeah, exactly. Get one of those gloves where it's like <laughs> you got Zimmerman, then you got Harper, and then you yeah. just change hands. Yeah. Um, so, but... And has the ability to ignite the crowd. If he, he does. If he really has it going. He does. Especially September, October. And I think we're going to see that tonight and, and through October. But his stuff really plays up. And I think that's one thing that I was talking to Clayton when once we got him. And Clayton was watching on TV when we were in Atlanta. Or actually, he made his start in New York. And so when we were, when he was back home watching the start in New York and just seeing his stuff. And when you're seeing 95 to 97, the breaking ball, the split, and how it really plays and the swing and miss in the strike zone, it's real. Yeah. And so when you're talking about the postseason, you're facing ones and twos, the scouting, you got to have stuff that really plays up. And, and you, his stuff plays up. So you have it all planned out in your head, October. Uh, September is is to get ready for that October. You got Kershaw on game one. Yeah, just between Darvish you and I. Game, yeah, just, just tell us. We can spill it. We'll just yeah. keep it between us yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Figure out, I mean, I, who's game three? Um, well, Do you know it, yet? It's probably going to be Alex Wood. Okay. So we'll see. I mean, that could change, but Alex has had a, had a great year and, and things can change. But, you know, obviously when you look at Kershaw, um, Darvish, Wood, Hill, and then you've got Ryu and Maeda. We've we've got some a lot of depth, and the, these guys have done a lot of good things for us. But um, there's still a long way to go. But can um, I give you my theory on champagne celebrations? I want to hear it. I goggles think, or no goggles? I, as somebody who wears contact lenses, I can't goggles. imagine what would hurt more than having champagne <laughs> in your eyes. Um, I think the liquor should get better with each clinching. I, I think like the World that. Series should be champagne. I think okay. you win, you you clinch the so playoffs. So you go like natural it's light. Beer. Yeah, it's, it's natty light. It's not natty light. It's natty light for clinching the, beast, the playoffs. Milwaukee's best, whatever it is. Keystone, round one, you get a little better. One. Yeah, now now you've moved up and by. So, so what do you do out? What by do you round do? three, you're going with like an IPA. Oh, and nice. then and then. Uh, and then you say you might the see guys on the on the on the clubhouse floor, man. You get the IPA on the ground. <laughs> Maybe malt liquor that if you clinch the playoffs. That's good stuff. But it is the, the all the champagne celebrations. I think is a little. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but like Yankee Stadium 04. Yes, maybe break out the champagne for that because it was eighty six years. But but uh, I always think like back in the day, what in the fifties did they okay. do this? That's when do you, yeah, when do you when think did, stuff when started? Did this start. We need you to dig 70s? into that. 70s? Because sometimes like they show the Dodgers win the World Series and Koufax is walking up the mountain. He's like just shaking hands. Yeah. Like he like he was at work. Yeah. And I, I've even seen, I remember seeing footage of, you know, guys hitting the homers and Tommy greeting him at home plate. Right. So that doesn't happen anymore. Right. And, and when did the team go out there out of the dugout after a win? Yeah. The jump up and down. The I've jump always, up and I've down. always wanted like, to know when that. When did that happen? I remember that they always said the high five started in the mid 70s with, with the Oakland A's. Okay. With this guy, Glenn Burke, who was like the first guy who ever gave a high five. Allegedly. Is that right? Yeah. But I don't know when the jump up and down thing. It felt, it, I always thought like Manny and the Red Sox started it, but it must say that can't be true. We did that a lot. It, yeah. It was like a whole, Manny would just get whammed on the helmet. He probably had a concussion. I'm sure he did, but he played better with it. <laughs> Wait, I want to ask you, you mentioned your son. How old is your son? He's 16. How many kids do you have? I have two. I have a 16-year-old son, Cole, and I have a 12-year-old daughter, Emerson. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I have a baseball player. I have a 12-year-old daughter, too. I can't even- Do you really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know she Googles Musical me. I can't theater. even imagine what- Yeah, exactly. Your kids must be Googling you and oh checking gosh. out Twitter, I, I, all that they stuff. They do. They do. And um, yeah, I can't keep them away from it. 
You didn't tell them stay off this stuff. I, I, I tried, but the 16 year old near impossible. So I just try to tell him to filter the stuff that he gets to me because <laughs> a lot of it isn't good. So, uh, you know, and, and you're 50 games over 500. I can't imagine if we were 10 games over 500. <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would say the expectations. Yeah, and, and, I'm and, sure. it's, and, and they should be. But, you know, it, it's for us, it's as much as people expect from us, I think that we expect more from ourselves. Yeah. What's the best thing Magic Johnson's told you? Make people around you better. Um, and that's what he did as a player. And he's continuing to do in the business world. And so for me, I'm always you know, conscious of the people that I'm around and trying to get the best out of them. Who's your Who's your bench coach? Who's your uh, conciliary? Bob Guerin, who managed the A's for years um, from San Diego, and then he was a bench coach in New York. I like conciliary. I don't. I don't use bench coach. Conciliary. Yeah, I, and I they, like, like in the word. in the Godfather. Remember? Yeah, they had the conciliary. Yeah, the conciliary. He's he he's my stuff conciliary. Off I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that one. Let's do away with. How bench much do you coach. talk to him during the game? Nonstop, and it's about certain situations and potential matchups and. He's um, so we kind of bounce a lot of different ideas off each other. Who is like, and Rick Honeycutt, the pitching coach as well. A lot of talk with him. So it's all, you're almost like a married couple. Like somebody's, somebody's a little too crazy and the other one's trying to calm him down. So who's the calm down? Who's the crazy one? I, I think it works hand in hand. Sometimes he needs to calm me down and sometimes yeah. I need to calm him Should down. Like, oh, so, garbage. That guy doesn't have any stuff tonight. I got to go say, get him. No, 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 get him. He's not that bad. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of works vice versa. So we kind of have a good read on each other. Yeah. How much chatter is in the dugout in general? There's a lot. We're, we're a little, chir- we're a chirpy group. I think that'd be fun to, to be in a, in a major league dugout and to hear, uh, a lot of the the conversations and the chatter that goes on. And there's a lot of conversations, obviously, within the game as far as talking about approach. But, you Is know, it nine game stuff too? Pro- yeah, of course. Of course. But there's also chirping at the other opponents, the umpires, just joking with them, ha- having fun. Um, but, you know, it's three hours of baseball. So there's a lot of dead time. So guys are having side conversations, but still watching the game and kind of slowly preparing. And, and baseball is one of those things where you got to kind of be in and out of focus. You need that because for three well, hours, it's crazy to try Half to the time, you got to be worried you're going to get nailed by a foul ball. You better be a heads up for that yeah, too. Yeah. going to be watching. That's right. <laughs> well, I wish you the best. I'm Thank really you. excited for this. It's been fun to watch. Um just, I always like watching great teams. This has a chance to be a great team. The ability to just pull these wins out, whether you're either killing somebody or you're coming back, but there's this expectation watching this team now where it's like, ah, oh, they're down 5 3. I'm going to keep watching. Oh, as long as we're on the board, we're going to find a way to win. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. Thank you. And very thank much. you for 2004 again. I, every time I see you, I keep thanking you, but thank you again. I, I love the thanks. I should have worn my ring. Oh, Dave, I'm glad you didn't. I would have passed out. <laughs> Dave Roberts, good luck. <laughs> All right, we're going to bring Mallory Rubin in, and we're going to call my dad, too, and talk about the Red Sox possibly trading for Giancarlo Stanton. Also, we're going to throw some game and throws at him. But first, let's talk about propercloth.com. Every guy knows it's hard to find a dress shirt that fits. Maybe the collar's too tight. The sleeves are too long. The shirt's too loose. Maybe you put on a little weight. All of a sudden, that shirt that really fit you well doesn't fit quite as well. I have some good news. Ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier thanks to Proper Cloth. Create a custom shirt size in seconds by just answering 10 easy questions, no measuring required. Choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 fabric styles from classic to business. 
to completely customize your shirt and get the style you want. All high quality with the absolute best quality and craftsmanship starting at just 80 bucks. Proper cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning that if somehow your shirt doesn't fit perfectly, they will remake it for free. Tate, did you do this yet? Not yet. Oh, come on, Tate. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Look your best. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter gift code BS to save $20 on your first shirt. Again, propercloth.com slash BS. Gift code BS. Uh, a warning if you're behind on Game of Thrones. Uh, you could probably turn this off. Maybe, maybe we'll talk Game of Thrones at the top of this next part, and then we'll shift into the Red Sox. Maybe a little fast forward on your on your iPad or your phone, wherever you listen to this. If you don't want to hear what's happening lately on Game of Thrones, we're going to talk about it with Mallory. We're going to talk about that, the Red Sox, whether they should trade for Giancarlo Stanton. Then we're going to call my dad. And uh, it's been Mallory's dream in life to talk about uh, Game of Thrones with my dad. So we're going to do that right now. All right. Mallory Rubin is in my office, one of the stars of Talk the Thrones. Hello. You you have now become like our biggest media doing the most things person we have. Oh God. It's going to end soon though. Game of Thrones is almost over. You have to go back to your sad life of football and college football and just waiting to see what happens. Back into the editing minds yeah. in just a couple of weeks. You will never know what happened with Danny and Jon Snow for another year. I think they end up together. I don't know if it'll be a year. It might be a two year wait, year and a half. Sounds it'll like f- we're going to be waiting a while. For the Two final years? episodes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I hope not, but some initial reports indicate we're looking at like an 18 month thing. Can fire and ice really end up together? Well, first of all, I think yes, but also John himself is fire and ice. Like right. he is ice and fire if he's a Stark and Targaryen. Oh, yeah. That was why what we learned it's not a bastard. this week is so massive. And of course, it was sort of delivered in like very hand wavy fashion as Sam Sam was mansplaining about how hard work is while yeah. Dilly was trying to drop this crucial intel. Yeah. Very puzzling. And then you but. had to do live TV after you're like shaking. You're going on TV of this big revelation in the Sunday was thrones. really hard. It was interesting. I, I'm always shaking right. <laughs> in those moments because it's I care about the show so much. It's a lot to process and to not, you know, to go on and talk about it right away is like is a sort of strange, uh slightly disorienting experience in a way that's fun. Um, Sunday's episode was so packed and had so much crucial information and so many characters making puzzling decisions that for the first time I was actually like, I can't process this. And so I focused in the moment on Talk of Thrones on the things that were like exciting and fun. John petting a dragon. How awesome is that? great. And then when Jason and I did binge mode yesterday, we'd had a couple days to process the episode more. And I think got to the point where we both realized like we were very excited on Sunday and then kind of were like, this was not great. There are a lot of problems in that episode, a lot of characters acting in a fashion that seems contrary to who they are or who they always have been, who we understand them to be. And the pacing was like really disorienting, really disorienting, even in a season where people are moving from point A to Z, like not only like from one week to another, but from one scene to the next. There's just so much happening so quickly that, you, you, you know. You have to, at this point, be asking some questions, I think, about how it's all playing out. We might have another incest baby coming, so that's good. That was good news. You buy it? You think she's ah, you knows? think she's being genuine? Could it be Euron's? Could I, it be fake? Could it be a ploy? I have two questions for you. Yeah. Um, how would you pet the dragon? 
was up to you, the dragons coming in. Would you go like for the nose or I would go under the chin. I feel like they- Oh, a chin scratch. Yeah, like, a, like I, you know- As a dogs first love that. Dogs, dogs love the under the chin neck kind of right. rub. So as you know, I'm a, I'm a cat owner. Yeah. I love all animals. Cats, yeah. dogs, you, dragons. You love animals more love than an animal. I know. Love I an animal. I million little videos of my dogs that run so I love it. just get excited. I cherish it. Yeah. I, as someone who really enjoys meeting a new cat, I am trained. My instinct is to stick my hand out for a sniff mm. to say, here, take a whiff. I do that with dogs. Let me know what you think. They appreciate that. Then if you're into it, go behind the ear. Under the chin. Well, behind the ear would have oh, been yeah. good with the dragon. Oh, yeah. So do you think that you should have- really far away, though. Behind a dragon's ear is like you need a ladder, especially if you're as short as John, you know? <laughs> so do you think dragons work with like with the sniff? You think Jon Snow should have done that? Just put the hand out well, for the of, sniff that's first? That's sort of what he did, right? And then he like he went once, once Drogon kind of was like receptive and didn't burn him or eat him. Then he started to pet him. And then Drogon gave the little-, the little the Yeah, he, he enjoyed it. The blank. Yeah. Jason and I were talking yesterday to try to figure out, is the eye motion that we saw meant to indicate that some sort of warging was taking place, that John and Drogon were actually like mentally connecting in mm. some way? I think the answer is probably no, just because Drogon is bonded with Danny and a dragon will not accept another rider while its current rider is alive. And John obviously should <laughs> I like be that that's paired. A rule. Yeah. Should it's more of a social norm, yeah. you know? John really should be paired with Rhaegal, the dragon who's named after, you know, I was his just father. thinking that. Yeah, yeah, of course. But it was a really cool moment, I think, to remind us of what the connection between characters and animals in this story can be. And it, of course, as beautiful and moving as it was, my my secondary reaction was, where's Ghost? Yeah. Because that's John's the got wolf. one of those already, you know? And Ghost was a little jealous, I think. From that a, dragon from connection. Sensing it. I would hold the hand out. You've talked me into that. Yeah. Let the dragon get a sniff and then and go then under you go the, for chin. the chin. I also think the dragon probably has incredibly bad breath. You figure, I don't know what the dragon's eating all day, but then also the fire People, coming out know? of there. Yeah. <laughs> some Tarly soldiers in some there. Some really <laughs> strong halitosis. So John's probably gets you in a whiff of that pretty soon. I think you're right, though, for what it's worth. I don't think anyone on Game of Thrones smells good. No, you're like, right. It's like 1800s France multiplied by 100. <laughs> when John and Egret finally fucked in the cave. Yeah. My first reaction was, yes. Yeah. My second was, Hygiene. Yeah. It's hygiene a, can't be great. I think they appreciated it more back then. They liked the bad hygiene more. I think that's true. There I think was the odors were kind of a turn on. There was the great moment earlier in the show's run where Talisa, you know, told Rob that her family always thought of the Westerosi as stinking barbarians. And she said it with a lot of lust in her voice. So mm. you might be right. Remember Napoleon would send it notes to his mistresses and tell them not to shower for weeks until he got home. Freaky dude. Don't bathe. Yeah. Freaky that was a weird dude, man. Uh Speaking of weird dudes, Giancarlo Stanton, yes. who changed his name from Mike like That's five right. weeks. Why did he do that? Did we ever, why not just go with that from the get-go? That's a good question. I don't know. I think I still he, feel like he's Mike in my brain. I have trouble really? like transferring to the Giancarlo. Oh, no. I, I, I made the adjustment quickly. Did it's you such really? a cool name. It is it a good name. It also sounds so like forceful and powerful. It, it feels will. like right for a home That's run what he's hitter. been this year. I know. It's interesting. He mistakenly said- that he thought the home, I, whether he mis mistakenly said or not, that he thought the home run record was 61. He had a chance. People are like, oh, You think that was a mistake? This is so cute. You don't I, think that's major shade at Bonds? I felt like it was shade. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I, I like that. FYI, I kind of agree that might be the record. Yeah, sure. If I he mean, hit 63, 
do we adopt that as the record? There will be a large contingent of not only people in the sport, but certainly people in the media making that case, mm. obviously. I mean, that's where you go back to the Hall of Fame stuff and what are we willing to sort of adjust on and what aren't we willing to adjust on? If Bonds isn't going to be in the Hall of Fame, do the records count? If Bonds That's isn't the in the Hall of Fame, let's just burn it down. Well, Bonds Bonds could have been hit by a bus at the end of the 98 season and he's in the Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's but so ridiculous. Then that, but then the logic bends the other way too, which is like if his achievements are enough to get him into the Hall and we're, we're okay sort of saying this was basically what baseball was for a certain Put period of time, then the record is Bonds' record, right? Put no it on the plaque. No matter what Stanton thinks. On the plaque. Asterisk? Just put it on the plaque. Just right there? Yeah. This many needles, this many times Sus- a day. <laughs> suspected to be a heavy PED person yeah. during an era when everybody used PEDs. I think my son can handle that when I take him to Cooperstown. I, I don't think so he's too. going to be traumatized and sucking his thumb in the corner and sobbing because no. he saw something on a plaque he shouldn't have seen. He'll be too busy looking at blonde models on Instagram. Not in Cooperstown. <laughs> <laughs> that is a dude-heavy place. I think the only more dude-heavy place is probably the collector's convention. So yeah, he'd probably need the Instagram more. That's right. So I wanted to have you on for a variety of reasons, but mainly because my friend Daniel mm-hmm. um, emailed me yesterday and said, I am convinced the Red Sox should trade for Giancarlo Stanton. Okay. This is Babe Ruth in reverse, basically. This is our chance to get almost 100 years later to the day, 98 years, but who's counting, to get Giancarlo Stanton as he's hitting this 60 homer a year thing. Mm-hmm. His contract is horrible, but the Red Sox don't care. They've thrown away tens of millions of dollars to Pablo Sandoval and David Price already. <laughs> That's put why they in, should care. Put him in as the as basically DH, which would be better because he's been a little banged up. Yeah. This year he's been healthy. DH can play a little outfield. Now he's like the Ortiz for this generation, but now you have Ben Intende, my adopted son, Raphael Devers, Mookie Betts. You have this lineup and he's the centerpiece of it. If all those guys are on the team, who are you trading to get Stanton? So that's my question. What do they have to give up? Uh, the Marlins are selling their team. Right. Jeets. To Jeets. <laughs> what is he? He's going to run base, baseball operations. Good yeah. luck. That should go great. Uh, what's the point of having him? Unless you're going to spend money, you know, it's, I don't really understand the Mike Trout thing's a little bit different because they just had really poor management and spent their money incorrectly. Right. The Marlins, if you're going to have Stanton, you're not going to put a good team around them. What's the point? It's an interesting question. I mean, I think obviously part of it is a little more philosophical in terms of like assessing the state of the Marlins franchise and the way that that franchise in, in the Loria years has treated fans and treated basically fan expectation and engagement, which is to say like shit. So nobody has treated their fans worse over the past 20 plus years than the Marlins. I think for a new regime to take over and basically have the first or one of the first moves be to get rid of not only the franchise cornerstone and the best player on your team, but one of the best and most famous marketable players in baseball is a tough look. So that's certainly an argument for keeping him. And then I think in terms of just the state of their franchise, like they actually, this particular Marlins team is not in quite as bad of a position financially as some of the past Marlins teams that had to make fire sales. Like Christian Yelich is on an absurdly team-friendly contract. Absurdly team-friendly. Marcelo Zuna is one of the most exciting young outfielders in baseball. 
you keep those three guys, you build around that core. You can do cool things. Now, you can't do cool things if you're going to give 80 or 90 million dollars to pitchers like Wei and Chen. Like that's like indefensible, basically. And their farm system is close to barren. So there certainly is the argument for trying to acquire That's a talent. problem for the Red Sox. They've traded a lot of their prospects already. Right. I mean, the new paradigm in baseball right now, like you see what the White Sox are doing. Yeah. You see how successful the Astros and Cubs have been by basically just saying, we're going to be, we're not just going to be bad. We're going to be really, really bad, get as many elite prospects as we can, and then we're going to crush it. That's sort of what you have to commit to doing now if you're actually going to fully read. It's the NBA model. I feel like the NBA created it and then the Cubs maybe were the first one and then the Astros right behind them. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly what the White Sox are trying to do right now. Yeah. And what do they have right now? Something like, I don't know the exact numbers. It's like they have nine of the top like 70, 100 prospects in baseball. The White Sox have done it the best. At. Yeah, yeah they, they were incredible, getting right? 100 cents in the dollar for everybody. So if you're the Marlins and you look at what they're doing, you basically have to demand a similar return. You have to say we're getting elite players in return because rebuilding our farm system is the whole point of dumping a player like Stanton. The complication, of course, is the contract. After this season, he has 10 years and 295 million. So let's round up 10 years, $300 million left on that deal. Like, so he's gone till through 37. Through 37. And then I think he's probably a I DH think there's five a years team from now. option year for his 30, 38 year season. Yeah. Why'd they do that? That's a lot of money for they do someone that? who's going to be really old and gets hurt a lot. This is his really first healthy season, right? I looked it up. He, he, he had 145 games one year. One year. One year. There's another year it was like close to that. And then he's had some iffy ones. Obviously, some of his injury history has been just bad luck. Like getting hit in the face, that's not your fault, right. obviously. But he's had leg problems. And for better or worse, fair or unfair, you look at his baseball reference page and there are not multiple lines in a row where he's hit 160 games. You know, there yeah. just aren't. And when you're paying somebody that much money, and giving away prospects. Maybe they have a bad training him. staff. Maybe. Maybe he shouldn't be an outfielder. I mean, you've seen what he looks like, though, right? I don't think conditioning is really the problem. True. Yeah. Maybe he shouldn't be an outfielder. Maybe. Maybe I he mean, should be a DH. He is like his defensive war this year. Overall, he's, you know, top, depending on which, whether you're fan graphs or baseball reference, he's a top 10 player overall war this year. Yeah. But his defensive war is negative. So it's certainly worth considering. There's I mean, not a lot of great six foot six outfielders. Judge, six seven, crushing. How tall is Hayward? He's really good too. Yeah, he's Isn't six he like five. Six, I five? Think. Yeah, I mean he, Hayward is like he sets the standard for alpha, outfield yeah. play, but he also it he's turns incredible. out like kind of can't hit well. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be Judge in a month. Those strikeouts. The league's figured him out, man. Those strikeouts. He'll hit the hanger and that's it. All rise. Oh, no, another strikeout. I agree. I'm, I in, agree. I'm really enjoying it. Well, let me, so the let home me, run derby had the Yankee fans just out of their minds. I did not like it. And now they've come back to earth a little bit. Do you believe in the idea that the home run derby can like break a player? I do. Yeah. 100%. I was really happy when, when he decided to participate. It's happened too many <laughs> times for it to be a coincidence. Yeah. So with Stanton, the, the rub for the Marlins would be three years from now, if he starts breaking down and now you're in the hook for 200 million more for this, basically you're in the Pujols angels right. situation right? for even more money than what the angels are paying Pujols. Yes. I mean, 
I guess the flip side is what if he actually stays healthy for the next few years and actually is hitting 60 homers and then he opts out because he has an opt out in a few seasons. So that's something to think about. What's the worst case scenario for the Marlins is that you don't deal him. He suddenly has figured out a way to stay healthy and to basically deliver on all the potential. And then he opts out and you don't have anything to show for that. That's still a few years away. I think maybe it's a little too early to be thinking that way. What about this? What about him with an awesome lineup in the American League? Yeah, that would be great. But if you're what about an American him surrounded team, by bats, okay. what about him and Fenway? Let me throw this. Let me throw this to you, though. Yeah. If you're the Red Sox or the Yankees, because that's who we're talking about, right? Red Sox or Yankees, yes. Well, that I would say the Astros as a stealth Maybe. contender, yeah. just because they have a lot of prospects. They do. They have the and farm they have, system they, to get they, it done. They could put together the best trade. Yankees have traded some guys. The Red Sox have traded most of their guys. The Astros lineup is so good, though. I was talking with uh, uh, about this with Jeff Chow earlier. I mean, Altuve, Correa, obviously Correa's hurt right now, and Springer's been banged up. Those three, plus everyone they have around them, I don't know if it's worth giving up the prospects to get Stanton. Because that, that, so that's what I was just going to say to you. Like, we're one year away from Harper and Machado being free agents. One right. year away. And you're probably talking about $400 million Certainly for Harper, I think probably still for Manny instead of 300 million. That's not insignificant, certainly. But if you don't have to give up any players, why don't you just wait a year and go after one of those guys instead? They're well, both more valuable. If you're Houston, though, and you have a chance to win the World Series and you've actually overachieved considering how many injuries you've had, and they've had all of their best guys have been hurt, basically. Right. Yeah, I mean, the the pitching injuries for them are concerning. I've, like a if, couple of them are on my fantasy team. Yeah, if Keiko and McCullers aren't healthy in the playoffs, they're screwed. You traded me McCullers in League of Dorks, yes, and he immediately <laughs> fell off a cliff. Yep. But um, I also traded you Machado, and he's been hitting eight hundred since then. I, so you're welcome. But that was the only way to save his season by trading. I know. Trading him away. I feel like I I performed my mitzvah by freeing him. But if you put if you just flip Stanton with Beltron in that lineup, yeah. That's suddenly the scariest team. I think that I think uh, I think the Red Sox can catch them. And as you know from our Slack, I had written off the Red Sox season, but I go through this process. That's the part you don't understand. Uh-huh. I, I have to hit a point with the Red Sox season every year where I where I just go all in on thinking that they have no chance. Yeah, as you know, I saved some of those slacks so that I, I could know. send them back to you. <laughs> now that they're comfortably in the in the division lead, I didn't realize the best Red Sox rookie of in, in forty years was going to just show up and randomly He's start incredible. doing incredible do triple plays and take Chapman opposite field for 103 miles an hour. And uh, he, he's incredible. Who saw? He's incredible. He's in, so, but that's the thing. You're not going to, you don't want to part with him. You don't want to part with Devers for Stanton. You're no. not going to say goodbye to Betts or Ben Tendi. If you're the Marlins, you have to demand a player of that caliber. You have to. So I asked you that. I asked Baum, you, Bauman and Lindbergh. Devers is not only is he untouchable, I think there would be a riot if they traded him. <laughs> I actually really do think there'd be a riot. Yeah. Ben and Tendi, they can't trade either. And he's, the way he's hit in August and, you know, he's potentially a 30 for 30 guy year after year for 10 years. Who right. knows? But he's just, he's coming on. You can see it. Betts is the, Betts is overqualified for this trade. Yeah. But on the other hand, I think he's a couple years away from really getting paid. Um, You could argue Stanton's an upgrade. I, I wouldn't do it, but I, if I were the Marlins, that's what I want. I'm like, I want one of those three guys. Stanton's not the same caliber fielder, and he can't run. And well, he Betts is an incredible healthy. right fielder, especially yeah. in Fenway, which That's the thing. That's, had mixed results and right. That matters there. Yeah. 
that said, I mean, does Stanton hit 75 home runs over the monster? Like that's that's kind of the other. Yeah, there is a way to view this. Just only focus on that and say sort of what else matters. I mean, the money is a lot, though, and he doesn't stay healthy two months. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Two or three months ago, I can't remember exactly when Lindbergh and Bauman did an episode of the MLB show, the Ringer MLB show, where they discussed whether any team would potentially even want to trade for Stanton, whether his contract had become such an albatross and his play was so subpar compared to what people expected. That, That was months ago, not seasons ago. Baseball is cyclical. Like, it's very easy in the moment to overreact to the current state of affairs. That, of course, is an argument for the Marlins trading him to say, this is it. We we go now. He's never going to have more value than when he's on pace to cross 60 home runs. I mean, how many that's happened, what, eight times in baseball history ever? That's a big deal. And you could argue you might actually even be better on. If he was able to DH half the time and he was surrounded by lineups, he wasn't in NL where they can do all these. Has has Jeff told you his idea? What was it? That the Nats should trade for Stanton and they should trade Harper for Stanton. Oh. Because if they're, like if they're not going to re-sign him. Yeah. Get, get, him, get him away now. Well, explain get this, out now. Explain this to me. How does he get through waivers? Well, Stanton already got through waivers. That's what I mean. How does Stanton get through waivers? Because no one wants that contract. So if no one wants that contract, <laughs> why do I have to give up Mookie Betts for him? Because smart ownership would demand it. Smart ownership would demand it. They, the, the, the only way for the Marlins to play this, if they want to sell it to the fan base and position the franchise for improvement, you're not in a bad spot if you have Giancarlo Stanton on your team, no matter what you're paying him. They have to eat some of the money. They have to make the contract palatable for whoever's acquiring it. That's the only way they're going to get the prospects in return that they would need to get to justify the deal to the fan base. It's a tough one. If the Red Sox, you know, obviously traded two of their three best prog- uh, prospects yeah. for Chris Sale, who's one of the best pitchers I've ever watched in my life, he's I would incredible. do that trade again. He's incredible. He's going to have over 300 strikeouts, which I didn't even know was conceivable anymore. He's amazing. But, so that trade was great, but that was also who we would have had for Stan. We're going to call my dad in a second because I want to get his take. But first, ZipRecruiter, mm. are you hiring? We happen to be hiring. <laughs> you handle all, you've hired, your intern success rate with interns that you've hired is your greatest skill. Tate, right here, my my greatest achievement. I think you were- <laughs> Hey, your batting average, it's it's got to be a thousand or damn close. Not not quite a thousand, but it's been it's been good so far. Uh, well, a zip recruiter, post your job, find the best candidates, find the best talent. You can post to a hundred plus job sites with just one click. We should do this. What? We should put one of our, I don't know why we haven't done this yet. Their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job. See, most most companies don't have you. They have to like use something like ZipRecruiter, right. which is also great. But uh, unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. We should put the three fall internships on this. Let's do it. We're doing it. Craig Gaines would be thrilled. Oh, that'd be great. Find out today. We'll find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. We should put the fall internships on there. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. All right, let's call my dad. 
All right, my dad's on the line. Mallory's still here. Dad, we were talking about whether the Red Sox should trade for Giancarlo Stanton, formerly Mike Stanton, who's on pace for about 65 homers. Um, A, would you be interested? I've always been interested okay. in Stanton. B, the Marlins say, we'll do it, but we have to get Devers, Benintendi, or Mookie Betts. Are you still interested? Or, mean one of the three? One of the three. Yes. Oh! Oh! What's the power ranking of who you're most willing to say goodbye to? Well, he'll never say goodbye to Devers. <laughs> he likes Devers more than his grandson, who's coming to see him this week. Is it, <laughs> is it even between the grandson and Devers? <laughs> no, my grandson is, is ahead of Devers. He's 1A. <laughs> Dever- my dad just sends me excited texts about Devers. Like the, yesterday, he's, he's like, Devers had a triple play! He was out of his mind. He's amazing. Well, that's because you and I talked about him on a podcast before he came up, and we were all excited about it, and yeah. I think we were partly responsible. Well, <laughs> I remember the first year I fell in love with baseball in 1975, we got to watch Fred Lynn, Rookie of the Year and MVP. Not, By the way, Mallory, it doesn't happen very often, the Rookie of the Year and the MVP the same year. Looks like Judge might have a shot at it. Judge has a shot. Well, now he's in a funk. I think he's falling out of it. Ben and Tenney's coming, kind of breathing down his neck a little. Uh, Devers... Is is uh well? Why you watch every Red Sox game, Dad? Give us your Devers scouting report. Um, it's it's similar to what we talked about uh, when he was just getting going. He the ball just shoots off his bat like you rarely see uh, on other players. Um, and and the player we compared him to was Beltre on Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a much better fielder than I think they gave him credit for. I mean, not just that triple play that was so exciting, but he's basically made every play. I mean, he's had a couple of maybe one or two errors, but he's looked very confident out there. And he's, you know, they put him fifth in the batting order in the middle of a pennant race. Uh, and he looks, he's happy. He's, he's smiling out there. He's, he's a very he's happy confident. guy. Yeah, so it's it's funny when I, they brought him up. Every it was like six days before the trade deadline, and yeah. the season was falling apart. It felt super desperate, and they're like, "Let's try this guy." We've tried nine other third basemen. Red Sox fans were disappointed when the Yankees pulled off the Todd Frazier trade. We were, and it was like, I, "Why?" You know, I, I wasn't. I, I wasn't. I, I, I he was true believer the whole time. He was. I, I wasn't. I. I. I uh, I hope they would bring up Devers. I mean, I was watching his minor league numbers. They yeah. they consistently were up there, and um, why not? I mean, plus I he's infused that team was flat. Yeah. If if you watch yeah. them in the dugout, particularly in the games where they weren't playing that well, it was a flat team. They really missed the enthusiastic, uh, you know, what was going on when Ortiz was in that dugout. And Devers, is, Devers and uh, Nunez have, have kind of revitalized that whole dugout. Yeah, we so, had no idea Nunez was, was this good. Yeah, he's having an incredible career season. It's amazing that they're not getting more uh, energy and clubhouse leadership from uh, Price and Sale. Who saw that coming? <laughs> well, Sa- well, Sale's a prodigy. I mean, we just I, leave him alone. He's over there. He's just I, keep him away I, from the scissors. No. I'm not. There's no complaints about Sale whatsoever. He's amazing. He, he, he's a quiet leader. He, quiet he's leader. Not okay. or, he's not an Ortiz. He doesn't make a leader. peep when he's shredding the jerseys with sharp objects. Yeah, yeah. Quiet Listen, leader. he acts but, out every once in a while. Yeah. We'll put up with it. Yeah, he, he's 
I'm I'm fine with him. I, Price is a whole different story. I, you know, they they set him back again today. It seems like every he takes two steps forward, one step back. So who knows if we're going to see him again this year? My dad was especially upset because Price, you know, embarrassed of a, a man in his sixties. So right. my dad is in his sixties. He felt a certain kinship with sure. poor Dennis Eckersley, who got humiliated in front of <laughs> the team. It's not just a man in his sixties. Eckersley had a 24-year major league career. He's in the Hall of Fame. And Price has not paid his dues. Yeah. Uh, you no. know, it, it made no sense. So but, Devers so. untouchable. Benintende untouchable? He is for me. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, so you're willing to say goodbye uh, to Betts? It does sound like that a little bit. Well, well you, again, you have, you have to give up something important to get something important. Yeah. And I, and I think outfielders are somewhat easier to find than a power hitter like Stanton. So, and we have nobody in the minor leagues who is basically called a power hitter. Right. So, yeah, I, I'd certainly make that trade. Uh, I'm not sure Miami would make that trade one-to-one. Probably uh, depends on how much of the salary the Red Sox were willing to eat oh, in I, that I think, case. Well, I think Miami would yeah, do that. Very good point. The salary is... a. Uh, you know, maybe they can make it a two for two trade, and it could be bets and price. I gotta and say, we can match up salaries. First of all, I can't wait for the next five to seven years to make fun of you for the fact that you just traded Mookie Betts, <laughs> who's, who's just been an unbelievable well, Red Sox him, player. I traded him for Stanton. I mean, uh, don't 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 throw that out in a vacuum. Well, I mean, Man. you know, he's been a great he's been a great Red Sox player. He has the uh, the post game celebration. I feel like he created that with the outfielders when they do the little bow kick thing. Would you have considered losing bets this time last year, or is this just because he's having a, a weird, by his standards, subpar season? That's a real good question. And Stanton was not Stanton was hurt last year, right? Um, probably, I would have given a different answer. Yeah, it's, that's a good point. My dad um, still hasn't forgiven bets for the first inning of the Cleveland playoff <laughs> series when we were about to, who was that pitcher we were about to knock out? Trevor Bauer? It was, and bets was up and it was like one more hit, Bauer's out, we win the game and bets had a terrible at bat. My right. dad still, from that moment no, on, he's had a little bit of an extra grand. Tough series. You know, a year ago, if you asked me the question, we had Ortiz hitting over 30 homers. We were hitting a lot of home runs. This team has very little power, so... Can you imagine adding a guy who already has 42 home runs to this lineup? See, that's what, if they can uh, get him without giving up any of those three guys, whatever else needs to happen, I would do. How does that happen? Though? I don't know. You're just taking yourselves yeah. out of the Harper Machado free agency class. Yeah, so dad, Mallory. Point, because of the contracts. Mallory thinks you got to, that the Red Sox should wait until the Harper Machado. Try for Harper. I my mean, dad I, don't doesn't, think, I don't think Manny and the Red Sox are a mix at this point. I'll tell you, my but. dad doesn't like Manny Machado. <laughs> There's been some bad blood with Manny and the Red Sox oh, fans. Uh, yeah, you don't like Manny. I mean, might even be out for the season. I'm not sure the, the Boston crowd wants Machado coming in here. Yeah, after they're knocking out Pedroia for the probably for the year. Yeah, he definitely um, definitely hurt Pedroia, and everybody oh pretended God. that wasn't related. But now it's clearly he. Enough we think Pedroia has some sort of really bad. Yeah, you know, he's old. Something. When you're old, your knees stop working, especially when you're playing middle infield. He was pretty good this season, but it's a little alarming that the team's gotten better since he since he disappeared from the lineup. It's well, a coincidence, I, but... 
Wait a minute. <laughs> Three weeks ago, we weren't saying that because we had nobody to play second base. Sure. Now we have Nunez, and he's he's really hot. He gets two hits every game, and nobody's talking about Pedroia's injuries. So, you know, it goes in waves depending on who's in here. We made two great acquisitions, one acquisition, one call-up, and uh, it's allowed us to ride through the Pedroia injury and a couple of other people being in slumps like, like Betts. We did. Uh, those two trades were really, really great considering they didn't give up anybody because they didn't really have any prospects left to give up. Yeah, the Nunez yeah, thing was great. Mallory's, Mallory Nunez hates they, all the yeah. Boston teams, just for the record. <laughs> Dad, uh, uh, really? we want to talk Game of Thrones. We want to talk Game of Thrones really quickly. I love that shock, the shock in the voice. That and, uh, can the hate Boston, Boston fans teams. can never believe that anyone hates the Boston my teams. Goodness. Dad, uh, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really enjoying my Twitter show of Game of Thrones to better help me understand what I just watched each Sunday night, by the way. That's great. Um, so give us, to hear it. Yeah. So tell us what you think is happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the houses are dwindling. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think what I think is happening, because what do they have, seven, nine more shows, is that Jon Snow has a twinkle in his eye when he looks at the dragon mama, and <laughs> I find that real interesting. Don't you, there's, there's certainly some attraction there. She's his aunt. Um, Does that bother you? That I she's know, his aunt? I, 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 I wish I hadn't found that out. Um, but, you know, it, things happen in that, I don't yeah. know, that strange world. Yeah, you can't judge so, the incest yeah. in Game it's of like Thrones. It's second-degree yeah. incest. And I, <laughs> And unless they're going to have children, does it really matter? Well, well I mean, they have to have children. She had dragons already. You can't get any crazier yeah, than that. Th- that's that's right. a big she question is whether Danny can have children, actually. She doesn't think I'm, she can. Interesting. Well, she'd probably love to marry a younger man who was her nephew. Don't you think? <laughs> is it a first nephew it, or is it like a second or third nephew? John oh, I think it, is Danny's sure older that. brother's son. Oh, that's yeah. really tight then. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> Well, yeah, a little bit, but we also have two main characters who are brother and sister who had three children together. That's so. right. right. That's right. And they're yeah. still going strong. Yeah. Man, four might be in the way. There's, there's a fourth and then the oven. That's right. I forgot that. Dad, if um, if you were being, if Danny was introducing you to the dragon like she did with Jon Snow, Mallory and I talked about this earlier, what would be your move to approach the dragon? Um, I think I would have done, I would have, I think I would have done almost exactly what Jon Snow did. It's, it's how I approach. I mean, I just took the two dogs, our two dogs for a walk. We came across what seemed to be a hopefully friendly dog. And I always (laughs) take the back of my hand and rub the nose area. Right. Yeah. So that's what you did. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Mallory talked me to that move. I would have gone under the chin though. Because you can either go nose or you go under the chin. Because I don't think the dragons get enough rub under the chin. I think that's a better I'd move. I'd be rubbing so that the mouth was closed because I don't want that mouth opening. Yeah. Right. Great you, point. You rub under the chin, maybe he makes a mistake and there's a little <laughs> bit of fire that comes shooting out. Dad, how do you feel yeah. about uh, Tyrion, the little guy? Some bad advice this year. Brutal. He's he's had a rough yeah. year. Yeah, I and it's not intentional. I think he's just making some bad judgment, some bad mistakes. And 
he seems, it certainly was apparent in the last show, he's losing the confidence of uh, the Queen, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which worries me, because the other thing that was obvious was that when he walked through the battlefield, he seemed um, astonished and a little bit ashamed of what had happened. Right. Yeah, I mean, those are think? those are the men who served his family you know those are those are either family members or people who were sworn to his house and for all the bad blood between him and his father and his siblings ultimately that's a lot of history to just literally watch burn in front of your eyes and i I think he's the the way the way his face looked as danny was standing up in front of drogon and demanding that the soldiers in front of her bend the knee you saw sincere concern and I think almost fear on his Mm. on his face. And he begged her, send them to the wall. Let them take the black. Don't do this. And the conversation that he had with Varys when Varys said, you need to get her to to chill. All of these people lived through the Mad King's reign. They know who Danny's father was. was. Right. And so there's a there's a blueprint for how badly this can go and how quickly. Yeah. I I also. Yeah. I lost faith in him when he told Dave Dombrowski to trade Mookie Betts for Giancarlo. Stan- oh no, that was my dad. My dad was the one that came up with that. My bad. You know, uh, I, I didn't ask the question back. I know we moved on to Game of Thrones, but would you would you make that trade? No, I, I like no? I like watching the three guys. I don't want them to break up the three guys. I'm good with the three guys for the rest next ten years. My son loves all three of them. I'm good. Your I'm son's good. a Dodger okay. fan. No, my son is a Red Sox fan. Stop it. Dad, what do you think about yeah, the sisters? And you, and you, and you would have been you're the same guy that didn't want to trade Garnett and Pierce to the Nets. So you, you want to keep the status quo. That's I'm, not true. I'm willing to move I'm willing to move forward to progress. When I heard about wow. when we, I heard we got the pick swap, I was all in. It was the two picks I wasn't in, but when we got the third one, I was excited. Dad, what about the sisters, Sansa and Arya? Seems like a little tension there. There is, there is, there's, there was tension as I uh, binge watched sixty shows in about a week. There, there was tension when they were young too, though. I mean, they're they're very. It, Mallory, I think, made the point in her show last week. They're very different people. They right. they have different interests. They, uh, and there there's an age difference as well. Um, but I. I the guy I really dislike, and I know everybody else seems to dislike him too, is the guy who seems to be in, influencing Sansa more and more, uh, Littlefinger, whoever yeah. his right. name is. Littlefinger, yeah. So yeah. Something's going, don't you think there's a plot being developed there that Oh yeah. none of us are going to like? Yes. Well, uh, yeah. I hope we like it, actually, because oh, I think that there's a chance that he's finally miscalculated and that... His, his entire character through the, the full six seasons up to this point of the show was basically keep him guessing. Always say one step ahead. Like someone can't even know that they're your enemy. That's the only way to be effective. And mm-hmm. we rarely had a front row seat to watch his plan unfold in real time. We often came to understand what he had done after the fact or secondhand. And watching him now, the question is, is he still outsmarting all of us or has he gotten desperate? Because he can't go back to Cersei after openly declaring for the Starks, after bringing the Knights of the Vale to their aid in the Battle of the Bastards. This is it for him. He's completely tethered 
to Sansa. And he wants to be, right? He's in love with her. Or at least that's how it yeah. seems. He was in love with her mother. He's not in love with anything more than power, though. And so to him, genuine affection and feelings for Sansa aside, she is still ultimately a tool, a pawn, a path to something else, control of the North. And right. so when Arya and Bran came home, that was a threat to his proximity to having Sansa's ear. And so he needs to drive a wedge between them. And that's presumably what he's trying to do with the scroll that we saw Arya find in his room. You know, we know because he was watching creepily from, from the shadows, right. watching Arya come out of the room, that he wanted her to find that. And I just really hope as someone who has invested a good portion of my life in believing in Arya and loving Arya, that she's smarter than that, especially after going through assassins training in Bravos and learning how to suss out lies and deceptions and, of course, learning how to kill people, that she'll be able to choose the right side there and that she will not actually turn on Sansa. But obviously the show is planting those seeds because she's already expressing concern for how Sansa is conducting herself. Couldn't so, she Can't yeah, she pull some shape-shifting, though? She's yeah, slap a face on. Just put a just put a face on and try to pretend she's Littlefinger for six hours and she has his dagger now. I would love the poetry of Arya killing Littlefinger with his own dagger. That would be beautiful to me. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, some there hasn't been a main character killed. There wasn't one killed in the last show, right? No. So right. Not unless you're a huge fan of Dickon Tarly. Dickon, yeah. <laughs> no, Poor Dickon died. That was so, too bad. I mean, I know there's a dead person's pool of who's the next person to go. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, personally, I hope it's Littlefinger, but yeah, me too. He's, so, Dad, he's becoming more and more part of the major focus of where this seems to be headed between the two sisters. So, I'm not sure. What's more realistic, Arya and Sansa? Sansa, one of them, they turn on each other. One of them goes, or Jamie and Cersei, one of them turns on the other and one of them goes, what would your bet be? Or both, or or C, both. My bet would be Arya goes. <gasps> oh. Before. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. I don't see it. I think I, I think she I, takes out I Sansa. Can't, I can't, you do? Yeah. Well, one of, the, one of those two, not, I, oh, no. I can't see Jamie going yet. He, I hope he doesn't, I like him. Here's I like I like three of those <laughs> loves four Jamie. people. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I love Jamie too. I think the Sansa thing they've set up is that she's a little more like Cersei than everyone wants to admit. They're like that Cersei yeah. DNA got splashed on her when she went through that whole world, and it's just there's a little bit in there. Ari's going to sniff that out and take her out. Well, she has been through a lot. She yes. I mean, when you think back, yes, she has. Her, her marriage didn't go so well. Wasn't a great marriage. Well, at least the one he, with uh, with Tyrion didn't he, get consummated. He, he, well, that's true. Actually, three three relationships haven't gone that well, right? That's right. Yeah. Never forget Joffrey. Yeah. No. I, yeah, I forgot Joffrey. I think that ultimately, because this is still in many ways a story about the Starks, Arya and Sansa have to be able to find common ground and rally. I, f for years, years, have thought that Jamie will kill Cersei. It's one of the beliefs I hold most sacred and dear. This mm. episode was a huge wrench in that theory mm. because he, if she is actually carrying his child, that would be, there's no redemption for him after that if he takes her out while she's carrying his child. Right. 
And Jamie's redemption arc is one of the single coolest things about the entire story. It's like a master stroke of, of storytelling to be able to take someone who was basically evil incarnate in the pilot and make him somebody that this many people care about this deeply. That's incredible and extremely rare. He's my he's my favorite incest character ever. But here's the thing. Let me ask you both this. <laughs> what if Cersei's not carrying his baby? What if it's Euron's? I'm just going to What if it's Euron's? Would oh, yeah. that Euron stepped in? Would that be enough to drive Jamie to yes. the ultimate betrayal, wow. killing her? Yes, it would. It would be enough to drive me. So <laughs> I'd support Jamie in that endeavor. Mallory, you've uh, you've talked to Andy Greenwald, Chris Ryan, mm-hmm. and Jason Concepcion at the same time about Thrones. Mm-hmm. You've talked about Jason. You did sixty-five episodes. Father and Son Simmons is Beautiful. really your Game of Thrones highlight. I can it's I can incredible. see the sheer delight. This was meaningful for me. It really was. This was meaningful. All for I me. had to do was add a wolf that just walked in right. halfway through the conversation. In, in order, number one, finding out that Lyanna Stark is John's mom. Number two, doing this podcast with you guys. Number three, seeing Ghost on, on screen. Well, well, when you, when the phone rang and and you said Mallory's on the phone. I I thought that we were not going to be talking sports. I thought it was all going to be Game yeah. of Thrones. Well, then you traded so. Mookie Betts, so I had to switch topics. <laughs> well. Dad, um, enjoy enjoy Fenway Park with my uh, with my with my yeah. son. No, tomorrow. Uh, what an the, emotional I hope day! The rain doesn't oh, come that they're forecasting. No, it can't rain on on my son's first Fenway Park game. That's not happening. I hope not. Um, all right, say hi to everybody for me. All right, all right. Nice chatting with you, Mallory. You too. All Bye. right. Mallory. That was great. I don't know how we topped that. Um, that was special. Thanks again to Simply Safe. Summer winding down. It's the perfect time to protect your home in the final days of Simply Safe. Home Security's huge summer sale, $100 off this special summer package. You get a system fully equipped to protect your home and family. Alarm monitoring, police dispatch. You'll always know your home is safe. No long term contract to lock in. This sale ends September 3rd. That's $100 off. Just go to simplysafe.com slash. BS simply safe with two eyes. Thanks again to Proper Cloth. Ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier. Thanks to Proper Cloth. Create create a custom shirt size in seconds by just answering 10 simple questions. Custom shoes from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, 500 different fabrics. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter gift code BS to save $20 off your first shirt. Shirt, shirt, shirt. I can speak. Uh, Mallory's podcast. Binge mode, Game of Thrones, only two left. Then I guess we got to talk about Harry Potter or something. Oh my God. Don't, Don't tempt, me. tempt me. Don't tempt me. <laughs> I love it. Talk the Thrones, hashtag talk the Thrones Sunday nights. And then, uh, and then football's coming. That's right. Baseball playoffs. What's funny is September and October was usually the time that I was worried the most about your <laughs> mental health. Yeah. And now I've just been worried the last like four months. Yeah. So this will almost be like uh, refreshing, a refreshing jaunt in the park once we just get into football, college football. A refreshing October. What yeah. a novel idea. Can't yeah. wait. I'm excited to watch the baseball playoffs with my son for the first time. That's really awesome. Yeah. Seriously. He actually genuinely seems like he's going to care. So that'll be fun. That's so cool. It'll be, it's a whole different level of uh, whatever. Uh, don't forget Rewatchables, The Departed, and uh, House of Carbs. Joe House and I recapped our LA trip. Subscribe to those podcasts as well. And the newly relaunched TheRinger.com. Great site. You are allowed to do with that. It looks beautiful. It's we great. finally have a nice looking site. It's great. Yeah. Please, please come to TheRinger.com. Yeah. It's All great. Right. So much. Thanks so much everybody. to read. Enjoy the weekend. 